The following is a Westminster Seminary, California morning devotion given by a guest speaker. The statements, views, and opinions presented in this message are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about Westminster Seminary, California, visit us online at wscal.edu or call 888-480-8474. That's online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. Well, we have a treat this morning. Um, With us is a friend of ours, uh, someone who loves the seminary and has been supporting and praying for us for many years. Dr. John Payne serves as the organizing pastor of Christ Church Presbyterian in Charleston, South Carolina. And he's been there for a number of years now, even as they go through this transition to a building, I hear, in terms of where the Lord is leading them. A lot of busy times, but we are so grateful that he is here. He is married to Marla, who was here with us last year, and, and have Mary Hannah and Hans as their children. He was our Dendalk lecturer last year, and he was here to give us a wonderful encouragement and challenge last year. For those who are interested, it's available still for you to listen to as well. He is here representing the Gospel Reformation Network, which exists, and I I brought it here just so that I can get it right, where he is the convener of the Gospel Reformation, and this network seeks to cultivate theological and ministerial faithfulness within the PCA and beyond in the confessional reformed churches. Many of you will be meeting with him over lunch to hear more about the ministry, and we're so glad that he's here to bring God's word to us. John, please come. Give us the word. Good morning. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1. As you are turning there, it's uh, wonderful to be uh, with you again here at Westminster Seminary, uh, California. I was just sharing with a couple uh, new friends, students, that it's really uh, so much like coming back home, uh, being in the valley, uh, the various uh, trees and terrain and flowers. I grew up in Northern California uh, in Santa Clara and uh, really feels so much like coming home here. And it's uh, great to be with uh, uh, with Joel and uh, Julius and the rest of the faculty. Such a blessing to be here. Uh, with you again, and uh, I'm, it was great to have uh, your president with us in Charleston uh, last year. Uh, we were trying to introduce him to all the southern foods, you know, like shrimp and grits and uh, fried okra, and he was looking at these things, like, what in the world is this in front of me? Um, but uh, great to, to, to renew fellowship here again. Look with me at Philippians uh, chapter 1, and even as I share uh, this brief devotion this morning, uh, I do so uh, really uh, reflecting upon the challenges of ministry in, in my own life in the last couple of months, and I won't go into those, but uh, if you want to go into ministry and not be challenged, then you should probably just walk out the door and go do something else. Uh, ministry is exceedingly challenging, and there'll be seasons that are sweet and, uh, and seemingly easy, and others where you can hardly bear it. And uh, this is uh, the Lord's uh, kindness and mercy to us, to humble us and keep us on our knees in ministry. Uh, but here we see the Apostle Paul, who is imprisoned, and his, his words to the church at Philippi. Please look with me at verse 12 of chapter 1. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it is become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. 
And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Let us pray. Father, we do pray that as we spend a few moments uh, in this text, that you would, you would teach us, that you would encourage us, that uh, you would, by your spirit and word, uh, move us to abide more deeply uh, in your Son, who is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Matthew 16. Our Lord declared to his disciples and to all of us here this morning that he is building his church and the gates of hell uh, shall not prevail against it. This is a promise to live by. This is a promise to plant churches by. This is a promise to train uh, future ministers uh, by. Uh, Because if we are honest, uh, there are times uh, that this is hard Uh, to believe, especially in times of trial, in times of suffering, in times of persecution. But God's promise to build his church is true no matter what we experience, because he is working out his sovereign plan in his mysterious providence. God is weaving together a divine tapestry made up of all of the stories of each of our lives, an elaborate tapestry that was designed even before the foundation of the world and will one day be completed at the return of Christ. And when the tapestry is complete, every event and experience of our lives, good and bad, is complete, what will be revealed is that God's plan was perfect in every way. When we stand before God, after the parousia, when Christ returns and we stand before him, we will know without a doubt, without any obstruction of sin or doubts in our hearts, we will know that the Lord truly has worked all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I may have mentioned last year that six months into the church planting work in Charleston, I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. Just six months before that, my father had died of throat cancer. And so how could this, we, we might think immediately, how could this be a, something that would propagate the work of the gospel? Well, we don't know all the particulars. We're called to trust in his promise that he will build his church. And even the hard things will serve to advance the cause of Christ. And in that first day of eternity, when we are all there in God's presence, clothed with the righteousness of Christ, again, not a doubt will enter our hearts that our Lord has worked all things together for good. And what we must do until that day is trust him. 
don't know what's going on in your lives right now, what burdens you are dealing with. I know the only burden you have is not that you have a, an exam coming up or a paper due. Those are burdens, but I know they're not your only burdens because life doesn't stop when you're in seminary. But these are things to remember, even as you prepare for full-time ministry, because there will be sermons to write and, and people to pastor and shepherd and, and committees to help lead and, and vision to cast. And uh, while all that's happening, there's also a lot of other things happening. You'll get bad news from family members about health crises and, and there'll be those from the outside that will bring persecution, those from the inside that will try to undermine your ministry. And all these things are happening. How do we respond to them? If not by trusting the Lord, being on our knees in prayer. God is really working all things together for his glory and for your good and for the progress of his church. William Cooper's 1774 hymn entitled, God Moves in a Mysterious Way, reinforces this. Where he writes, ye fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds ye so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings on your head. The hymn we just uh, sung, the battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. The victor crucified must with the anguish of his soul be satisfied. The powers of hell shall fail and all God's will be done till every soul whom he has given to Christ be won. From a mere human perspective, things were not going well for the Apostle Paul or the early church when Paul penned this letter to the Philippians. The Apostle Paul, the great leader of the early church, was in chains in a Roman prison. While state-sanctioned persecution had not broken out uh, upon the Christian church at the time of this writing, it would do so at the hands of Nero in the future. The Philippian uh, believers, of course, would have been concerned. They would have been fearful. Their, their leader is in, in jail. What's going to happen to this nascent church? How will the gospel advance if uh, the great apostle Paul is, is locked up? They were worried for him because they loved him. They were worried about the future. Epaphroditus probably expressed these concerns when he visited Paul in Rome. But Paul, ever being the faithful pastor, and having a sincere love and affection for the Philippians, seeks to comfort and encourage them by providing a ministry report, a report that highlights the fact that the gospel is advancing despite the many powers that are seeking to obstruct it. That is essentially what these verses are, a ministry report that teaches some important lessons about the providence of God. And how the difficult things aren't, even the, the really difficult things like the Apostle Paul being locked up in prison with, with the, uh, the executioner's uh, sword raised above him, as it were, and for all everybody knew. These are lessons not only for the members in the churches in Philippi, but also for us. And so we have this unfettered gospel. Look with me again at verse 12. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Paul wants to set the record straight here. While it may seem that Paul's imprisonment has ceased to spread the gospel, it has really served to advance the gospel. It's counterintuitive. It's, it's that which is uh, not our first thought. What might look like a setback is actually progress. And I can't tell you, I just turned 48 uh, years old, and I can't tell you how many times over the years when I look back and I think, 
how discouraged I was at a certain moment and overwhelmed with my circumstances to look back on it and to see how it has advanced the gospel in all different kinds of ways. Sometimes these ways aren't uh, as clear as the Apostle Paul in God's, uh, uh, in the history of redemption, doing what he's doing, but in ways of, of sanctifying uh, me personally, uh, of, of using this experience in a way uh, in the life of, a, of the church, for instance, and, and, and all different ways that the Lord brings these things together. So, so we have in, in, in Paul's uh, experience the spread of the gospel among the imperial guard uh, and, to the, and to all the rest. Verse 13, it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. The imperial or praetorian guard was a select group of 9,000 soldiers. They were the elite. And one of their charges was to guard uh, prisoners uh, that were scheduled to appear before the emperor. It was probably the case that uh, Paul was chained to one of these soldiers at all times. And, that, 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 uh, and, and those soldiers would change uh, regularly. And so Paul had a captive audience for the gospel. And that captive audience was changing regularly. And so he's preaching the gospel. Uh, it's, like, it's like your Uber driver, right? Uh, he's a captive audience to share the gospel with. Um, he, was, he was looking for opportunities, and he had these opportunities to share the love of Christ. And so he did uh, with these soldiers. Um, you can imagine Paul encouraging them to turn from their idols and to, to trust in, in Christ, the crucified and risen one, to, to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Paul was not feeling sorry for himself in prison. Paul's not angry with God because of his circumstances. Um, Paul is not simply thinking about how he's going to get out of jail. Paul is sharing the gospel. He's, he's taking the opportunity that the Lord in his providence has put before him to share the gospel of grace. Paul doesn't report any conversions at this point, but we do know that the word was spreading like wildfire fire among the imperial guard that Paul was a prisoner for Christ. And so many officials in Rome as well would have heard about the gospel. What appears to be a setback for the gospel is really that which advances it. Paul is in chains, but the gospel is not. Paul is in chains, but the gospel is not. The word of Christ is unfettered and powerful to save. When it is faithfully read and preached and taught and shared, the Spirit uses it to change the lives of sinners. And neither all the kings of the earth, uh, Psalm 2, who raise their fist against the Lord, or, or, or all the, uh, the persecution that could come uh, from uh, the government, or, or from the difficulties that arise in our lives, none of these things stop the gospel from moving forward, from advancing. And Christ is building his church, and nothing and no one can stop it. I'm I'm currently rereading the screw tape letters. And while it's, a, it's obviously fiction, it, it gives you a sense of how the devil is, is always at work and his demons are always at work to undermine the gospel and to, uh, to, to wreck our faith. And uh, we know that even though all these things are going on, the Lord is at work and nothing can stop him. Martin Luther famously quipped, I simply taught, preached, and wrote God's word. Otherwise, I did nothing. And when, while I slept or drank Wittenberg beer with my Philip or my Amstorf, the word so greatly weakened the papacy that never a prince or emperor inflicted such damage upon it, I did nothing. The word did it 
all. And that is an encouragement. It's a, it's a comfort that while sometimes we feel that life is so on us in the ministry, that perhaps everything is getting obstructed, that the Lord is not at work, that, that all of these things are, are actually holding back the gospel rather than setting forth. It's those very things, those very difficulties that the Lord uses to advance his gospel so often. Paul's ministry was not stunted by his imprisonment. It was expanded. What man meant for evil, God meant for good. The Philippians should have been the first to recognize this since one of their charter members was saved while Paul was in prison. The Philippian jailer, Acts 16. God moves in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. Hendrickson writes in his commentary, Roadblocks set up by Satan to hinder and stop the progress of the gospel had become the stepping stones to a better understanding and deeper appreciation of God's redemptive truth and to rising courage in defending it. So that's the way we see Paul's apparent setback. It was really progress in the gospel. Well, there is so much uh, more to say here um, but I think that we are out of time. Let me encourage you, brothers and sisters. Let me encourage the faculty. Uh, when difficulties come, when they emerge, and, and we, 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 know, we know the theology, we know Romans 8, 28, we know these promises, but even as we are pressed down and, and life is on us and we're feeling the burdens and the difficulties of bad news uh, this side of Eden, let us abide in Christ. Let us remember that God the Father sent his only son to this earth to be crucified for us, to give his life as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. He did that for you. Because God did this for you, Romans 8.32, delivered over his son, how will he not also with him give you all things, all things for your blessing, all things for your sanctification? Trust him in the midst of of the trial. Trust him, as, as did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, in the midst of, of the fire of adversity, and know that the Lord, ultimately, in the big picture, is working all these things together to sanctify you and to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ in your community and around the world. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this very brief time uh, in your word. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would Bless this truth to our hearts as so often we find it challenging uh, to trust in you with all of our heart and to lean not on our own understanding. But Lord, we pray that by your grace and even as we abide in Christ, the one who gave his life for us, that we would trust you and draw near to you in times of difficulty and, and believe that promise that you are building your church and the gates of hell shall not stand against it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Copyright Westminster Seminary, California, 2019. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.